Welcome to Healthcare Experience Matters. This podcast is brought to you by the Healthcare Experience Foundation. And with today's episode, we're teaming with PRC. This podcast is dedicated to transforming the healthcare experience so that every person can receive and deliver the best care. Hello, Healthcare Experience Matters listeners. I have a special treat for you. Quite the character has joined me today. His name is Joe Snip, Vice President of Patient Experience and Consumerism with Aspirus Health in Wisconsin and beyond, as we were just talking before I started recording here about Joe and all the work he does. Um, before we begin, Joe, please introduce yourself. Give me a little bit about your professional background. And of course, we want to know what your current position entails as VP of patient experience and consumerism. Well, um, we'll see what I say about that. It, it, it feels like like all of our job titles, it kind of fluctuates with the day. Um, thanks for the invitation. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to sit here and, and chat about patient experience, something that I am quite passionate about. Um, I have been in patient experience and in statistics and in teaching for well over 20 years. Uh, worked for a, a vendor for a large portion of time, spent a lot of time on the road, talking about data to people who don't really want to talk about data um, and developed a, a burning passion for the patient experience. I came up to Wausau about five years ago and then got the current job, my current job, Vice President of Patient Experience and Consumerism about two years ago, or as I am fond of, well, not so it's fond of saying, but we'll, we'll acknowledge and say that I got this job about 15 hot minutes before COVID shut the world down. Um, uh, Aspirus is, uh, every organization talks a lot about the patient experience. I think that Aspirus does a lot to actually walk the walk as well. Um, and so the job for me is, you know, the patient experience side is how do we engage with patients while they're in our care? The consumerism side is really how do we engage and make healthcare more engaging to patients when they're not in our care, when they're just living their lives in our communities that we serve. All right. I think that gives us a nice little bit of background on what you do and and what Aspirus is all about. First of all, why do you love this job? And, and um, tell us as well, what fuels your passion for this work? I think that I probably would give the, the, the boilerplate answer of, you know, every day is a new challenge, um, which is true. But I think that it, it really does feel like once you start looking for the patient-facing aspect to anything in healthcare, you can never not see a patient-facing aspect in healthcare. And so my work has brought me to dealing with civil rights compliance, with uh, managing our limited English proficient patients, with uh, managing you know, ADA, Americans with Disability Act requirements. Uh, I, I think that there are just all of those opportunities present something that says, hey, you know, we need someone who can provide us that patient-facing uh, perspective, be the voice of the patient, the eyes of the patient. So I work on our um, MyAspirus, you know, EHR, you know, app 
making sure that that's more patient facing and patient focused. And I mean, just about anything that you want to talk about from, you know, getting your first appointment to managing your bill at the back end has a patient facing element. And I'm lucky to kind of get to put my, my, my perspective in a lot of those spaces. Honestly, what fuels my passion day to day is the team that I work with. I think that a lot of people maybe in my position spend way more of their time kind of working on PowerPoints and writing memos and delivering speeches and presentations to senior leadership and all of that. And you can lose sight of what we're actually about, right? Because um, not a lot of, uh, you know, a lot, a lot of patients walking around the third floor of our corporate offices. And so for me, what really helps keep me connected and grounded are the team that I have working out in our 17 hospitals who are all kind of engaging with staff members and talking to patients and bringing that stuff back to, to our team. And that really is super exciting. So, you know, there, I will often say back in the days when I was teaching, I'll say sometimes I would bring the energy and the, and the students would take it. Sometimes the students bring the energy and I would take it. And I would say in my current environment, boy, my team brings that energy and that really helps keep me focused on what it is we're doing every single day. All right. Now that we established why you love the job and, and being able to at least work towards elevating the patient experience, let me know about some of the challenges and the hardships and the struggles. Let's, let's talk about that. Well, I, I think, I think the biggest struggle is probably the biggest struggle that everybody has right now. And that is the past year, two years, COVID has pretty much sucked all of the oxygen out of the room. And so it has been very hard, even when you have an audience which is disposed to wanting to talk about the patient experience and making things better for our patients, it still becomes an exhausting conversation because it feels like we have these other things which just elbow the way to the front of the line every single time, right? So we have finance, right? We need to make sure that we are, you know, we're being good stewards of our resources and we need to make sure that we're doing the things to keep the doors open and the lights on and making sure that, you know, our bond rating is still where it needs to be and that we can still do what we need to do every single day. And then you have the fact that we have a workforce which is fragile. They have been stressed beyond, stretched beyond, and, you know, frankly, are feeling incredibly vulnerable, right? They're not, they, they feel like nobody loves them anymore. You know, two years ago, everyone's banging pots and slapping healthcare providers on the back. And now it feels a little less so like that. And so you have this fragile population out there that we need to deliver that care. And then you talk to managers about, well, how do we kind of return to reinforce reinvigorate hourly rounding or bedside shift reports, or even making sure the whiteboards are up to date. And you have managers who frankly are scared to push their staff in those kinds of directions for fear that their staff is just gonna snap. And then on top of that, you have all of these travelers, all of these locums, all of these agency people coming in and providing care and spending time here for a few weeks or a few months, and then they're gone. And my clinical team is so focused on making sure that these people who come in have the skill set to provide, you know, kind of the clinical care the way the way our protocols demand it. They don't even have a chance to talk to them about patient experience and kind of the 
that, if you will, that element of patient care, because they're so focused on making sure that they know how to set lines and do this and do that and do these other things, that it feels so much like talking about the patient experience is like running up a sand dune. It just feels so exhausting and like you're not making very much progress. I think for me, that is the biggest challenge of the job. And I think I'm probably speaking for just about anybody who's working in patient experience right now. That is a great way to put it, running up a sand dune. Boy, you must have spent some time on the Indiana lakefront there on Lake Michigan where I have uh, done just that. And that paints a very vivid picture to me because it's a struggle running up a sand dune. And that's a great way to put it. Um, Joe, as vice president of patient experience and consumerism, how do you think healthcare institutions can get more strategic when it comes to elevating the patient experience? That's an excellent, excellent question. I think that that is kind of where everyone wants to be. And we'll give an answer that probably is going to seem pretty stupid and pretty obvious, but maybe um, not quite so. I think the biggest challenge, the biggest way that we can kind of go above and beyond right now is to actually be more proactive. You know, we talk about being proactive, right? We talk about, oh, you know, Apple's coming in here and CVS and Google and everyone's gonna steal our lunch or at least steal the most valuable parts of our lunch and leave us with just the snap peas and the celery sticks. And we need to be more proactive. And yet we're not. We are just always so reactive. When it comes to doing things better, we don't know how to do things other than respond to what our patients say. And so we kind of find ourselves in the asking the question, which just absolutely is like nails on chalkboards, which is when we ask our patients, well, what can we do better? What can we do better? And I hate that question. I hate that question with a white hot burning passion because one, we're telling our patients, we don't know what we do, right? What can we do better? Well, don't you know what you do? Don't you know how what you do is, is perceived by your patients? You need me to tell you what we could do better? You, really? And then on top of that, it's like we're telling our patients that we can't figure it out on our own. We're not smart enough. We're the professionals, and yet we don't know how to make what we're doing better. Are we just too lazy or too stupid to think of things that we could do that would be more engaging and, and proactive and, and helpful. We need to kind of say, well, what can we, hey, Casey, what can we do? Now what can we do? What else can we do? And Casey's like, dude, I'm the patient. I'm sitting here in the bed. You're the ones with decades and decades of experience. Shouldn't you be able to figure that out for yourself? But the reason why that question drives me absolutely bonkers more than anything else is because it keeps the focus on us. I'm not asking you about your experience, Casey. I'm not saying, Casey, tell me about your experience here. I'm asking you, what could we do better? Let's talk more about us. An entire, a patient's entire experience in a hospital or in a clinic or an ED is being bombarded by our narrative. We tell you 
when you're going to get therapy. We tell you when you're going to get an image. We tell you when you're going to get medicine. We tell you when we're going to draw blood. We dictate every element of your life. Your whole experience with us is our narrative. And then on top of it, we don't then we don't want to, we want to keep talking about us, right? It's like being at the old, you know, the, the cocktail party where we're talking and I spend an inordinate amount of time talking about me and everything about me. And then I look at you, Casey, and I say, Hey, Casey, enough about me. What do you think about me? Right? It's like enough with us. We're never going to get where we need to be. We're never going to be innovative until we can be proactive. And we're never going to be proactive if all we do is ask you what you want. Never, never, never. It's funny because one of the things I'll ask when, you know, I, when I talk to staff in this, well, we ask our patients and I'll say, well, if I were to ask your patients what, what, we, what you could do better, could you tell me what it is that they would say? And they almost invariably look at me and say, well, yeah. They'll say, oh, your scheduling stinks or that one ED doctor is a jerk or whatever or whatever. And I'll say, so why haven't you fixed those things yet? I mean, nine times out of 10, they're going to tell you something you already know. And then your response is going to be, yeah, I hear that a lot. Well, if then why aren't we doing something about it? You already know those big ticket items. The problem is the fact that fixing those are either too hard too expensive or too hard and too expensive. And so as a result, we're kind of left floundering. I always think it's funny. I will talk to people about uh, the patient experience and sometimes clinicians will kind of roll their eyes. Oh, patient experience. It's all about putting a mint on the pillow and a bottle of water. And I laugh because I know secretly deep down inside, that's what they want patient experience to be about. They want patient experience to be something as simple as putting a mint on a pillow. But the reality is that patient experience isn't like that. It is complicated. I'm not gonna say it's hard, but it certainly isn't simple. It may be straightforward in the sense of, we should probably treat human beings under the crazy notion that they're human beings. But what's funny about it is the fact that we sit around and we make fun of patient experience in that regard. But then we sit around panicked over what CVS or Google or Apple is going to do. And, you know, how are they going to disrupt this space? And, and I'm like, can't we disrupt the space first? Why do we have to wait for someone else to figure out how to do it better and then try to copy that or get upset because they thought of it and we didn't? Well, the reason they thought of it and we didn't is they're trying to think about it and we're not. Until we can get out of being reactive, until we can get truly proactive and really start asking questions about what do our patients really need? Not what do they say that we, they need, but what do they really, really need? We're never going to figure out a way to elevate the patient experience because we're always just going to be chasing shadows and chasing bottles of water. Well, that was a great answer. And it's a difficult question. I appreciate you taking me and the listeners through that thought process. And I'm sure there's a lot of people that are agreeing right now with what you're saying. Well, my ego says that they probably are, but I don't know if they are. No, I don't think so. I don't think so, Joe. Um, I want to ask a fun question, but could be a tough one, too. If you had just a small billboard or a small, you know, give it about a sentence 
or so. And you had to put one message out there um, for those working in healthcare, you know, to best remember about what makes an impactful patient experience. Is it possible for you to give me an answer? You know, is there one message that kind of stands out um, that you would put on that billboard, that metaphorical billboard? So now you're not even giving me the billboard, Casey. You're just imagining, having me imagine a billboard. Not on budget. It's not on budget. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, it's it, it, You say that, it makes me think of something else, which we can swing back to in a minute, but I will actually answer your question. Um, I, the first thing that comes to mind is a billboard that says, you matter. And, and what I mean by that is two things. One, you matter. That is to say that in this environment, we cannot deliver world-class patient experience until we deliver world-class employee experience. And we need to acknowledge the fact that that's where all patient experience starts. We need the right staff in the right space being supported and being encouraged. So I would say you matter. But I'd also say that you matter, that the patient experience is not something that we can all just kind of ignore until one person swoops in and does an awesome job. Patient experience is the sum total of all of these encounters, whether they're with a physician or a nurse or a phlebotomist or a housekeeper or a food service person or a security person or a voiceless, you know, a, a faceless voice on a telephone. All of these are things that, that kind of comprise to the patient experience. And if you sit there and you think, that it's not something that you need to worry about because who cares about the person that drops off a food tray or who cares who's sweeping the hallway, then you're missing the point. You matter. We need to support you and you need to step up and be part of that. Wow. You need to be the person that's also going to engage and provide an experience that people are going to remember. Great answer. Joe, SNP has been our guest. He is the Vice President of Patient Experience and Consumerism with Aspirus Health. And Joe, I'm going to give you the final word here. What kind of uh, you know remaining thoughts or anything of value you'd like to share with our listeners before we wrap it up? Um, I will provide you two things. First, I, it was something that I was thinking about when you were asking the previous question. You said it's not in budget and it reminded me of something that that I was a drum that I beat all the time here. My senior leadership will come to me all the time and they'll say, well, what do you need, Joe? What do you need to, um, what do you need from us, you know, to provide that world-class patient experience? And I think that they're kind of expecting me to come back with, well, I need more money, right? I need more staff. I need, I need little kind of gigas and whiz bang, little iPad things and yada, yada, yada. And I say the same thing every single time. I say, I just want attention. You can't get the, the people who provide bedside care to walk the walk unless you talk the talk. And one of the messages I will always tell my, tell my senior leadership is that, yes, sometimes it is about finance. Sometimes it is about HR. Sometimes it is about other things. But even when it's about those things, it's about the patient experience. And if I can get you to just reference the value of the patient experience when you're talking about things, 
that will that means the world, right? So you're gonna you're gonna we're coming up in the end of the fiscal year. We're gonna get our, our our pep talk about how our financials are better than we were fearing and and better than we were hoped. Can I get you then in that conversation to say part of the reason why our financials are so good is because patients want to come here that we provide something that no one else can provide. They know it and they want to come here. And if I can get my leadership to just talk about that, you will tell, it's amazing that the, the, the collateral value, that cascading value of when senior leaders talk about the patient experience, then chuckleheads like me talk about the patient experience and then managers and directors talk about the patient experience. And then we can all actually say that that's something that we need to work on. Not once a quarter, you know, not, you know, once a year when the scores are kicking us in the shins, but if we can just have that part as part of the dialogue, right, of all conversations, not the only element, but an element, that kind of constant thread that says everything that we love about this organization comes here because patients want to come here. They could choose any other place and they come here. Why? What makes this that special? And if I could just get leaders to talk about that, that costs zero dollars, right? I'm not asking for new toys. I'm just asking for that attention because that attention is, is, is currency worth much more than just about anything else. So that would be the first thing I would want to leave with that any organization that doesn't have money to pay a patient experience has one thing, and that is the words that, the words that they say. The second thing, I will say kind of circles back to something that I was kind of referencing when I was talking about the, the you matter. And that is, I think one of the challenges that we have in patient experience, when we start talking about what is the wow, what is the manage up? What is that thing? We're always kind of talking about that. And we always want to talk about it kind of in the context of the opposite, right? What is the insult? What is the manage down? What is the, you know, the, the, the bad thing? You know, we know the good things to say, or these are the bad things to say. Use these words, not these words. And I think that that can be really, really important. But I think that the number one challenge that my organization has, and I would wager is the number one challenge that most organizations have, is not that we have people out there who are engaged in managing down and, and, and disappointing. It's the fact that we have too many people who want to kind of fade into the background and not engage and not be the person who will step up and say, hey, Casey, it looks like you're lost. Can I help you find out where you need to go? Or, hey, you know, you push your call at and, you know, and I, I, I'm, I just, you know, I'm the, you know, the housekeeper, but I, I wanted to find out, is there something that I can do for you, right? Those, that's the activity, right? The problem is not that I come in the room and I punch you in the face. It's the fact that I don't go in the room to begin with. And so for me, our ears are always tuned to the negative word, right? But what our ears should be tuned to is the deafening silence. How often do you hear someone say nothing when they could say something? And that's a harder thing to hear. And it's a harder thing to call people out on. I always talk about the fact that you don't want to be the rooming nurse who takes me back uh, when I go to my doctor for a clinic appointment, because it's always amazing. It's like the rooming nurse walk, you know, come out and say, Joe, and I walk back and we walk back to the exam room. That rooming nurse ever says anything like, oh, this is a horrible day and I hate my life and the doctor's an idiot and this organization stinks. No, what they generally say is 
nothing. Here's a 45 second walk back to an exam room where you could be managing yourself up, managing up the organization, thanking me for coming, um, just chatting with me about the, the fact that we have a blue sky today or whatever it is, and you're missing that opportunity. You've completely missed an opportunity to wow me. You've completely missed an opportunity to, to manage me up, manage up the experience. And so for me, listen for that silence as much as you listen for that crabby employee, because you're gonna get way more success by calling people out and helping them see how they could fill that silence with some cheer. And that will change a lot of eights to nines if you care about age caps. Joe Snip has been our guest today, Vice President of Patient Experience in Consumerism with Aspirus Health. Joe, this has been a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate the invitation. Casey, if you ever want to talk again, just give me a call. You got it. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Healthcare Experience Matters. Healthcare Experience Matters is brought to you by the Healthcare Experience Foundation with today's episode teaming with PRC. To learn more, visit healthcareexperience.org. That's healthcareexperience.org.